let's get in the text. Um, y'all know our tradition, so y'all know what to do. Let's get ready to read the word. John 21. John 21, verses 1 through 14. We're going to get in the text. Uh, when you get there, say amen. 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 All right. Here we go. It says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in the way, in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, uh, the two other disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. So they cast it and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. The disciple whom he loved, who loved Jesus, or Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about a hundred yards off. When they got into, out to land, or on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although they were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have, a, have breakfast. <laughs> now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew that it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after uh, he was raised from the dead. I like to talk about on this Easter Sunday, seeing the resurrected Jesus clearly. Seeing the Jesus, the resurrected Jesus clearly. Father, we honor you. Thank you for uh, the ability to have sight. And we know that sight only comes from you. So, Lord God, let the, let the words of my mouth, the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. Oh, Lord God, our strength, our redeemer, in whom we trust. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody agree that's it? Amen. amen, amen. Be seated, please, if you can. Be seated, be seated. When when I was uh, 16 years old, just a couple years ago, um, I was, I was, um, what y'all doing? It's a couple years ago. Um, when I was 16 years old, I, 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 I wanted to be an aviator. Y'all just don't understand. Pastor wanted to be an airline pilot. Now, not an airline as in, you know, airline, airline. I wanted to be a fighter pilot. I wanted to have on, I saw Top Gun and I knew when I saw Tom Cruise and Maverick in them, 
on there with them when they got off the flight and they were walking real slow and smoke was behind them like this. You know what I'm saying? Going like that. I said, oh, that, that's what I want to be right there. I mean, it's over. They had their little aviator glasses on. They had them packs on. And they walked. Oh, it was just fly to me. So I was like, man, I want to be a fighter pilot. I want to shoot down commies back then. We was in communist issues and stuff. You know, Reagan, Reagan nation administration and everything. And so I was like, you know, I want to be, you know, one of them fighter pilots that shoot them down. So I wanted to fly one of the million dollar jets. I, I wanted to fly, uh, 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 not a, uh, I don't want to fly a B-1 bomber. I wanted to fly me one of them F-16 Jones. I wanted one of them so bad, and I wanted to be in there. I wanted to be the front man. I wanted my man behind me, me calling out stuff to him. Flink left, flink left. There's one at 4 o'clock. I, I was into all of that, man. I'm just telling you. So I went to the recruiting office, you know, 16 years old. I say, yo, man, um, I, I want to be a fighter pilot. He looked at me. He said, well, first off, you got on glasses. I said, what? What do glasses got to do with being a fighter pilot? He said, well, you ain't got 20-20, and the right side is thicker than the mug right there. It's thick. And because it's so thick, you definitely are not going to be no fighter pilot. And I said, why? I mean, I can wear contacts. He said, nah. He said, if you got on your glasses, the joints will flip off. Um, he said, and if you got contacts on it, you need to change your contacts, and you missing this fallout, and you just messed up on the right side, you won't see nothing, right? He said, so you, you got to, I said, well, I, you know, I'm, I ain't gonna, I'm not coming in no service if I can't be a fighter plotter. But he said, he said, the issue, though, is he said, you have to see clearly if you're going to fly that high. He said, if you're going to fly that high and if you're going to do that much work and you're going to be steering that type of equipment, you must have 20-20 vision. And what I realized as I read this text is Jesus wants every person spiritually to have 20-20 vision. It is impossible to fly to the depth and the heights that he wants our lives in him to fly to without 2020 vision, but the difference between the Holy Spirit through Jesus as a recruiter and that recruiter is they, they, I had to have vision before I got on the team, but in Christ, I get vision in getting on the team from the person drafting me in his relationship with him. And so I'm so glad that that's the reality. And so here, post of the, the brutal death of Jesus Christ and post the resurrection of Jesus Christ and post the dippage of all of his disciples and all of them kind of being flung into confusion and disarray. Um, 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 now now they've, they've, they've gone, back to, uh, uh, gone back to their lives and, and, the, and, 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 and Jesus has revealed himself several times to um, his people and cats is still having life as usual. And so um, what we need to do is we need to look at what does it look like and why does Jesus want to make sure that we have clear sight. Clear sight is one of the most important things that every person that is going to be in relationship with God through Christ is going to be able to have. And so we come here to my first point of two points of our time. Uh, and if you're going to see the resurrected Jesus clearly, the first thing has to happen is seeing the uh, resurrected Jesus is a work of God. Let me say that again. You must recognize that seeing the resurrected of Jesus is a work of God. In verse 1 of chapter 21, he says, he says, after this, Jesus revealed himself. Say revealed himself. Now, now he said he revealed himself again, and then it says, to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Now, this word revealed is an interesting word 
The, 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 the word revealed here uh, means to cause something to become visible, to unveil something that was veiled or undisclosed to someone, and, and to do it in such a way where it's in, un, inexplicably clear that they've seen what has been unveiled for them to see. Let me say that again. It, it's to see clearly, specifically, what was unveiled for them to see. And so throughout the corpus of the Gospels and throughout the corpus of the Scriptures, there was of great concern of God revealing himself to people. One of the things that Jesus has done over time, over what we would call redemptive history. Somebody say redemptive history. In redemptive history, that is the time in which God through Christ has been revealing himself pre his incarnation, meaning coming to earth and post his incarnation. Um, in the Garden of Eden, it says uh, that um, Jesus Christ, um, basically, is the pre-incarnate Christ uh, because he, we couldn't see God's unveiled essence and live. And so God somehow uh, 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 fashioned himself in the form of some type of corporeal uh, organism, uh, still having uh, his deity without unveiling his essence to blast man off. And so he came in the cool of the day. I like that. He came in the cool of the day. I don't know if he was hovering through the garden. I don't know if he was walking through the garden. I don't know how he was going, but the Bible says he was coming through the garden. And Jesus Christ, again, revealed himself. Uh, um, you see throughout the corpus of Scripture that happening. Joshua saw a dude that said he was the captain of the Lord's army. Again, he revealed himself. Powerful, powerful uh, reality that, that he was able to see. Um, then then uh, you see Isaiah in Isaiah 6. He said, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord high and lifted up in the train of his robe. I like that. Just the train of his robe filled the temple. And then there were these beings, these cherubim, they were all around him and they were crying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord. But John in John chapter 12 reveals that that wasn't God the Father, that wasn't God the Holy Spirit, but he beheld his glory, talking about the glory of Jesus Christ. In other words, God presented himself in a corporeal organism in the spirit realm in a vision to, Nehemiah, I mean, to Isaiah and he was able to see the Lord high and lifted up. But it doesn't stop there because three cats got shipped in to Babylon. And, 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 and as a matter of fact, it was four of them with the nation, and it was uh, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishai, and Azariah, a.k.a. Belshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And, 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 and they refused to do what the king wanted them to do, and they threw them alive into the fire. But the Bible says that, that Nebuchadnezzar, look, he says, Oh, ye young bucks, where you at? Where you at? I see you up in there, baby boy. But I see you in there, not just three of y'all cats. I see one more dude. Matter of fact, he looks like the sons of gods. And that, that was the pre-incarnate Christ showing himself up real fly-like in the midst of flame. I don't know about you, but I like it in the midst of my flames when he shows up. But that's not my text today. Uh, but later on in Daniel, later on in the book of Daniel, Daniel said, I see one who's like the ancient of days, and he's the son of God. I, I, I like that, but my favorite pre-incarnation of Jesus Christ, it, it is, is, is my favorite one is in Exodus 33, when, 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 when Moses said, God, I want to see your glory. That's, that's my favorite one. I'm a favorite one. That's the flyest one in the Bible. He goes like this. He said, well, I can't just show myself to you. Because if I unveil all this glory to you, you know what I'm saying, you're going to be blasted off. Nobody can see me and live. But there's a place nearby me. I like that. That's the old King James Version. He said, there's a place nearby me that you can see. I can't let you see me, but I'm going to put you in the cleft of the rock. Now, how massive could he be? And I'm going to put my hand over you. And now before I start walking past, I'm going to put my hand over you. Don't look, baby. And then I'm going to walk past. And as I walk past, you're going to see my behind, the Hebrew says. 
you're going to see my back parts or my afterglow. And, and so, so, so he revealed himself. That, that's what it is. It means you can see the back part of my glory, but you can't stare into my glory. And so, so God has been in the revealing himself. Then in John chapter 1, verse 14, it says, uh, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory. Glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. And verse 18 says, and no one has seen God at any time except for the only begotten God that's in the Father, that, that, that is in the bosom of the Father. So he's into revealing himself. So here we go, post the resurrection, if you're trucking with me, that, that he's been revealing himself for millennia. And now he's, he's in this text, and he wants to make sure that his people see him clearly. It's interesting that verse 14 says that, that, that he's revealed himself several times to them. Matter of fact, this is going to be the third occasion. Why does he have to keep on revealing himself to his people? The reason why he has to keep revealing himself to us is because we can forget so easily. See, God can do something powerful in your life. And you live in the power of that moment versus the person of the Messiah. And when you live in that moment, <laughs> I wish I had some help right there. When you live in that moment and don't focus on him, what will happen is you'll worship the moment but won't worship the master. And so what he has to keep doing is he has to keep revealing himself. Somebody say himself. That this has to happen a multitude of times in the life of his people. So it says here he revealed himself to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias. Now, I like what it says right here <coughs> because it says, and, and he revealed himself in this way. I, that means he's innovative, pointing to the innovation of the living God and how <coughs> he reveals himself to his people. Now, it's interesting what type of people he reveals himself to because you would think he would reveal himself to the flyest people, the best people, the tightest people, the richest people, the most famous people, the most well-known people among men. But look at the group of people that he reveals himself to. Watch, watch, watch in the next verse. It says, in verse 2, it says, Simon Peter, Thomas, nicknamed twin, Nathaniel, the dude who uh, Jesus said is without any guile uh, or deceit, in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, the two dudes that say, kill the unbelievers, bring thunder out of heaven on them, and because we're better than them. That, that's who he's revealing himself to. And it says, and two other disciples. They didn't say who the other two disciples were. But it's interesting that this seven are here, four are missing, and one is dead. And so it's interesting, the group of people. And let me tell you who he revealed himself to. He revealed himself to religious skeptics, businessmen, Hebrew fundamentalists, a thief, Thugs, a shady government worker, a radical religious uh, a, a Jew, uh, mama's boys, and spoiled rich kids. Now, 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 if that doesn't get your fancy, I, I know some of that somewhere touched somebody in here just now. Because, because Jesus doesn't reveal himself to the usual suspects of people. He likes to reveal himself to people who people wouldn't think he'd reveal himself to. Why? Because I, I, I don't know, if I, if I was picking my draft, it's like when you go to the basketball court, you don't just go out to the basketball court, start choosing cats. You either bring your team, or if you ain't got no team, you bring your own ball. If you don't bring your own ball, you watch who's playing well, and you want to pick, and you want to say, I got next. And when you got next, you want to make sure that even though those guys lost, I want to have the best squad so we can stay on the court for a while. Why? Because if you lose a game, you off the court. Ain't no make it, take it, and all of that. You know what I'm saying? Listen, you 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 got to keep it going because you want to have the right team. But Jesus picks the worst team. 
Why does he pick the worst team? Because he wants himself to be revealed, not them to be revealed. Let me say that again. He doesn't want them to be revealed. He wants him to be revealed. Jesus likes to dumb down the visual cortex of people so that when he reveals himself, it's him being seen above the people that he's using. And so he uses a whack team of cats. Matter of fact, in Acts, they said, who are these dudes? They ain't got no education. He's smelling like fish. I mean... My, I mean, this dude's a, 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 a tax gatherer who be skimming off the top money. I mean, who would use these cats? But only the God of glory cannot just call you where you are, but he calls you beyond where you are. He doesn't call you where he sees you now. He calls you based on what he's going to do when he gets to you. And that's what makes it Jesus-centered. I got to move. And so Simon Peter says, this is a funny statement. Simon Peter said to them, Jesus has been a while. I'm going fishing. He said, I'm going fishing. What, what y'all going to do? So the rest of them said, we're going to go with him. So they said, we're going with you. So he hired six dudes, and they go fishing. <coughs> now, what happens is, to many of us, is even though we've had an, an, an encounter with Jesus, uh, many times we can forget about that encounter and go back to life as usual. And so they went back to life as usual. And so they said, listen, man, Judas done stole all the money. Now he dead. He done hung himself outside of the city. We don't know what he did with the money box. And he has uh, 12 pieces of silver. We don't know what he did with the loot. We ain't got no money. Jesus ain't here. Man, I'm going to get my job back. He goes back after three years of his ship being set beside the Sea of Galilee. He picks up his net. They go back out in the water. They have to have about two or three ships, and they go out in the water. They cast the net in the water on the left side of the boat. One boat is over there. They cast it to the right side of the boat. And so what they did was they were catching, they were on all night. You wanted to go all night because by morning you wanted to be able to sell the fish. Well, the Bible says that they went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. What's, what's funny is, is when you go back to life as usual, sometimes God will not allow life as usual to be a blessing. Because sometimes he has to remind you what life was like without him. Matter of fact, he has to remind, he has to tell you that if I don't put my hands on your life, there is no life. And some of us need to recognize today that you've been trying uh, to go beyond where Jesus wants you to be. And he's saying, what I'm doing is I'm, I'm specifically starving areas of your life. I'm drying up like he did Elijah, the book called Kedron. The reason why I want to dry up your life is because I want you to find uh, a wealth in, my, in, in your soul being in me. And so I like that Jesus Christ didn't come through. Sometimes Jesus not coming through for us is a blessing. Let me say that again because y'all didn't get that. Sometimes him not doing what you wanted him to do was a blessing. Matter of fact, going back to an old life of raggediness, it may be a blessing when Jesus doesn't allow it to give you the same thrill that it used to give you. And so it says that they caught nothing. But, but I like it that Jesus doesn't just leave you in your old life but because that brings me to my next point. Uh, uh, it brings me to my next one. Seeing, seeing the resurrected Jesus clearly ruins life as usual. Let me say that again. Seeing the resurrected Jesus ruins life as usual. Since they went back to life as usual. See, you need God to ruin your life. Ru ruin in a good way. In other words, to make it seem, man, God, God had to close. Let me see. Oh, I got to move. I, I got to. I got to make sure I get to the point to the text, and then I'm going to say what I had to say right there. It says, just as they broke. Now, they ain't, they ain't caught nothing. They ain't caught jack. 
They caught one fish. Now, these are experienced fishermen and everything. You know what I'm saying? And, 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 and they, I mean, they, they're on their boat, and they're they trying to catch it. It's just like Bubba Gump and, and them when they were trying to catch them shrimp the first time, and they kept coming up with all kinds of tennis shoes and sneakers and everything like that. When they, was, they, they came up with nothing, right? But, but then it says, as, as day was breaking, I like that. He says, Jesus stood on the shore. Now, this is bananas to me. Because in the midst of them going back to life as usual, Jesus was willing to come by where they were, even though they were in life as usual. But then it says, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. One of the things that you're going to see, th- that you see throughout the corpus of Scripture when you look in Luke chapter 5, when you look at uh, Luke chapter 24, um, when you look at uh, John chapter 1, and when you look at uh, the post-passion narrative, post-resurrection narratives, one of the things that you will see is you will begin to see that unless God showed who he was, they wouldn't recognize who he was. And so, and so what he does is he shows up, and he shows up by the water, and he says to them, he said, he said have y'all caught anything? Children, y'all caught anything? How's it, how's it working out? You know what I'm saying? Uh, how's it working out? They said, no. Then he said, all right. He said, cast your net to the right side of the ship. Now, they didn't know who he was. It's about 100 yards off. They don't know who this dude is. He says, cast your net to the right side of the ship. So they said, okay, maybe because he's far off and the sun's coming up and the sun is hitting the water in a certain way, maybe he can see a school of fish in a ball like you see on, you know, planet Earth. You like them, Jones? This ball, yeah. And so he probably saw the little little ball of fish on the right side. So boom, the ship swings from the left all the way over to the right. Then they go, well, cool, put the the joint in the water. And and they go, watch out. And then they got all these fish up in there. And then they said they had so many fish that they they couldn't even, I mean, it was a massive amount of fish and they had trying to be caught, they were trying to be doing all that. It's interesting that when Jesus tells you to do something that you've been trying to do on your own, but then he finally tells you to do it, it works. But when you were trying to do it without him, it wasn't working. Let me, let me, let me say that again. Because, because Jesus likes to enter into your life as usual to do something unusual to show you that your life is no longer to be usual. Listen, listen, I don't care how boring you think your life is. If you are in Christ, your life is different, and you have an unusual life. And so here in this passage, we see some beautiful things as as Jesus uh, uh, reveals himself. And he says, after they cast the net, he says, the disciple whom Jesus loved, we believe that's John, it says, therefore said to Peter, yo, it's the Lord. And he looks off 100 yards, I don't know how, Holy Spirit, pow, he recognized him. Jesus, 100 yards, this money, he probably got 20, 20. He could have been an airline pilot. So what happened was Peter is like, and you got to understand, Peter was in his grimy gear. He was in his tunic. He had his stuff off. He's a fisherman. You know, when they catch the ball, he jumps in the water. He scoops them all over, ties the net up so they can draw the shore. So Peter throws on his clothes. Um, the trans- translation in the Greek really means naked, but the, um, most scholars don't believe it was naked. That He just had on his tunic, meaning he had on light clothing. Um, and, and, so, and so he put on his clothes. Now, now listen, and swam 100 yards. With clothes on. Hold, hold on. I remember, I remember my wife was, um, we live, we live living in Houston. This person, I ain't going to say what they were, but they had a whole bunch of stuff on from head to toe. I mean, it's crazy. They jumped in the water and started swimming. We was like, how were they swimming in the water doing laps? And they were just desperate to be in the water. They had full clothing on, right? Peter puts on full heavy clothing 
jumps in the water and swims a hundred yards to shore to get to the fact that Jesus is there. Now, he didn't look. The text says he heard it was Jesus. Just hearing that it was Jesus motivated him to not let what was on him get in the way of him getting to Jesus. See, 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 the weight of his clothing wasn't enough because he was desperate. Now, you got to understand the state that Peter was in. Peter was in a state of unrepentant sin because he had denied the Lord three times. And, but, but, but he knew that if he could just get to Jesus, that he knew that if he just swam to shore and he got in the grill of the Savior, he said, I, he said we haven't dealt with our issues yet, but I, I'm ready to deal with my issues with Jesus now. And no matter what's on me, no matter what's in me, if I can just get to shore, if I can just get to shore, I don't know how he was swimming when he was going to shore, and I know what he was thinking when he was going to shore, but he was swimming. Swimming across the water, he left a big ball of fish in his boat that he owns and get to Jesus. Some of y'all need to get your butts to Jesus. What's on your life that's impeding your ability to get to Jesus? There should be no excuse. There's no sin in your life that shouldn't, that should keep you from Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is saying, I, I'm, I'm right here by the shore, and it's beautiful that this happened. And then, and then when he gets to shore, when he gets to shore, it says, it says the other disciples came in the boat. It says, dragging the net full of fish, <coughs> for they were not far from land, but about 100 yards off. <coughs> when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place. I like that. Now, now, now what's interesting is that this a lot of uh, a euphemisms and figurative language that's being used here. Now, now this points back to Jesus' original statement to them in Luke chapter 5 where he says, uh, uh, you are fish- you, you've been fishing, but I want to make you fishers of men. He, he wants to let them know um, that, 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 that he's going to provide a harvest of souls for them as they follow him. They're going to throw the net out like the, the gospel out like a net, and they're going to catch fish, but they can only do it at his bidding. And he also showing them that he'll provide for them. But what's interesting about him, you, him doing that at that point is it said there was a charcoal fire. Can you imagine swimming the land after all night fishing? Now, you know they're hungry in the mug. All night fishing, they've been working hours and hours and hours. They get the land and a charcoal fire with fish and bread is on it. Now, this is funny to me because Jesus said, I called y'all to catch some fish, but I don't need y'all. I already got fish. So, so I'm going to use y'all, but I don't need y'all. Every now and then, we need a See, some of us think too highly of ourselves than we are. And Jesus wants to let us know is even though I'll use you, I don't need you. But, I, but, but, but what he does for them is such a beautiful thing is he's reminding them of the time where he fed the 5,000 with fish and five loaves of bread. And he says, Three, two fish and five loaves of bread. And he's saying, listen, I provided for the sustenance of them. I'll provide the sustenance of you. But I want you to understand that every miracle that I do is not just about the miracle and you being happy about what I provided in the miracle. That's why people who look for miracles and don't look for Jesus have missed the point. Let me say that again. People who 
look for miracles and miss Jesus, miss the point. Because every single miracle that Jesus does is to point to a particular aspect of his character. Jesus says, you like the fishes and bread. They say, yeah, back in the day in John chapter 5 and 6. He said, you like that. He says, well, I am the bread of life that comes down from heaven. And, and he says, unless you eat my flesh and drink my blood, you have no part in me. Disciples were struggling. Some cats walked away because they wouldn't recognize the sight that it was needed in order to see what he was truly saying. In other words, that's why seeing clearly is a massively important piece of our lives. And God and Jesus Christ shows up to consistently reveal the glory of who he is, to open up our eyes and to put us on mission with him. And that's why he shows up in his passage. And it's so cool because he's on the side of, he's on the, side of, the, of the deal, fish, I mean, a grilling some food. Where did he get the charcoal from? I don't know. Where he got the fish from? I don't know. But Jesus Christ is a master griller. And so he's a master griller out there grilling fish. And he said, listen, he said, he said, he said, he said you know, I already got some fish. But then he tells them later, bring the fish you got because I want to use what you got, but I don't need what you got. But come on and I want to spend some time with you, even though you're a mess, even though you're in your unrepentant sin, come down and sit with me and have some food with me. Listen, what Jesus Christ wants to do is he doesn't just want uh, to call you from spiritual death to spiritual life, but he wants to hang out. And develop rich and deep fellowship with you. It's interesting that in the in the in the larger picture of John, there's a koinonatic, uh, if you will, philosophy of ministry in which we're seeing uh, a, a koinonia, which means community. Community meaning to partake and enjoy someone, something, and some place. That's called koinonatic ministry. Jesus Christ want koinonatic influence and connection in your life, and He says, "I want to use you, but I also want to be with you." I love that. I, I want to use you now. Also, he said, so bring some of the fish that you have caught. And he said, we'll grill some of them too. Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of fish, 153 of them. That's funny. They put the number in there. And he says, and although there were so many, the net was not torn. You got to remember the last time what happened. What, what happened last time? is when they first met, when they met Jesus for the second time. The first time when they met Jesus was John chapter 1, verse 35 through 51. The second time was in Luke chapter 5. When they met him in that second time and Jesus told him, cast in that again, he said, I'll do it because you said it. When Peter said, I'll do it because you said it, even though I'm a fisherman, but you know, you who you are, so I'm going to throw this out even though I've been fishing longer than you, and I don't know who you are, kind of, but I'm going to put this out here. All right? I, but, I, but I'm more experienced at this. Plat out, he puts him out there, gets a bunch of fish, the thing tears. He says, ah! He falls down to his knees and says, Forgive me, Lord, I'm unworthy. I'm a sinner. In other words, him, the miracle that Jesus did drove him to repentance. That's why miracle crusades without repentance is a magic show. But miracles with Jesus is a changed life. And so here we see the beauty of this reality in this passage that God wants to ruin your life. He wants, I remember when I first trusted Jesus Christ, one of the things, you know, when you, when, you, when you know your life is going to be ruined, it's because you know you're into so much mess that when Jesus Christ calls you in a relationship with him, you know some stuff's going to have to change. That means your life is ruined. When your life is ruined, it means your life is ruined. But that doesn't mean life is ruined. 
You got that? Your life may be ruined, which it needs to be. My life needs to be ruined. But when you come to faith in Jesus Christ, repent of your sin and turn towards him, you get new life. And your life is no longer ruined. Why? Because the life that you now live in the flesh, you live to the glory of him who was raised up for you. The resurrected Lord is revealing resurrection life to people in order that people may know that life can start off at a new start. You can have a new start at any point and time of your life, and he's drawing you in for it. He's calling to you. He's beckoning your heart. He's pleading with you. I implore you, repent and turn to Jesus. I beg you, turn your life over to Jesus Christ. Give your life to Jesus Christ. Surrender your life. Refuse to live a life that's prissy and and, 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 that's not ruined by the glory of the gospel. He wants to be in your life. He wants to transform your life. He wants to put you in a new place. He wants to make everything in your life new. He wants you to recognize that there's something wrong with your life. He wants you to let you know that something is weird. Uh, Ecclesiastes, he says in Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 3, he says, he has put eternity in our hearts. In other words, our souls are booby-trapped with the reality that something's wrong and that there's something beyond here. And even though we're totally depraved and without the power of God in us and unable to save ourselves, we're, 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 um, we're under the, the influence of the enemy in our minds. But God is piercing through right now, and he's calling, and he's beckoning to you, and he's saying to you, I want to save you, but you have to, remit, you have to repent and admit that I'm holy and you're not, meaning that I'm without spot or wrinkle and you're a plum mess just like your daddy Adam. You got to admit that. It's not, it's not just this gospel that tells you everything is going to be right. All right, come to him. It means that you're going to repent of actual sin. Actual sin. Why do you repent of the sin? I'm glad you asked. Because God, based on Matthew 25, 41, created a hell for the devil and his angels because of their rebellion against him. And everybody that rebels like him and Adam, he places them there. He places all of us are on our way to hell. Hell is the wrath of God unveiled. It's the wrath of God unveiled. And so all of us were on our way there. We're all on our way there. However, when Jesus Christ came, he came to live the life that we can never live. And he came to die the death that we can never die and be raised from the grave that we can be, never be raised from. And guess what? When he died on the cross, as a matter of fact, before he died on the cross, he was put on a pole and beaten. That's interesting, watching uh, the, 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 uh, the, 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 um, the Passion of the Christ, because that, that, was, that was the G-rated version of his death, even though the movie was rated R. It was the G-rated version and from heaven's perspective. And, and, and they beat him. I, when they was beating him with the sticks first, they were flogging him. But then they started enjoying themselves, beating the God who created them. And they picked up a piece of Canaanine whoop, whip with bone and metal and rocks in it. And they began to whip the Lord of glory. They began to spank the king and pull his flesh from his body. 
being torn and brutalized beyond what the law calls, calls him. You can't be beaten uh, that way, and you can't be beaten uh, over 40 t- uh, times. With the la- but he was lashed for us, beaten for us, and then had to walk miles to Golgotha's hill. And when he went up to Golgotha's hill, in their day, the hand was the tip of the fingers to the bottom of the elbows. And when, and when they nailed him in his wrist, which today we'd call it wrist, back in their day, it would be his uh, hands. And they hung him on that cross when they put it through his legs and feet as well. And they hung him on that cross, and he was there suffocating and bleeding to death. His suffering was so brutal that he kept his body, he kept his spirit in his body to fully complete what God wanted him to do. In other words, the fact that he survived the flogging was a miracle. And the fact that he was on the cross showed you that he gives his life, nobody takes away his life. He said, I lay down my life. So he, he said, I will decide when my spirit leaves my body. And so he, he had enough gall during that particular time. I like the old school church calls it the seven last sayings of Jesus Christ. And he said those seven last sayings. And on, on number six, he says, to tell us thy, it is finished. And on number seven, he said, into thy hands I commit my spirit. That means I'm ready to go now, God, and I'm coming. And he, like he said, old school church said, he said he dropped his head in the locks of his shoulders and he gave up the ghost. And I'm just trying to tell you right now that when he died, he died a brutal death. But because he wasn't guilty... Because he had our sin on him. It said, the Bible says, he made him who knew no sin become sin on our behalf. So what he did was he took your sin and mine, past, present, and future. And every time he was hit with that canine whip, it was because of your lust. When it was hit again, it was because of your pride. When they pulled the skin off his body and exposed his ribs, it, it, was, your, it was your greed that was pulled off of him. In other words, every single time he was lashed, he was lashed for our sin. But the greatest thing that he was lashed for is he was lashed for our nature being fully fallen. And so the Bible says he made him who knew no sin be sin on our behalf. So he became the paschal land and the penal substitutionary atonement for our sins. And when he died, when he died, but, but was issue, what the issue was is to show that he wasn't guilty, but he took on someone else's guilt. I don't know how it happened, but, but his spirit went back inside of his body. And he woke, he woke up, and, 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 and all of a sudden his body was brand spanking new. And he was so fly that he put on another outfit. I don't know where he got the gear from, but, but he had on glory gear. He had on glory gear. And, when he put, and then he had the nerve with his cool self to fold up what was used to cover his dead body. And then he, then he, then he, then he, then he got up. And he said, all right, angels, roll back the stone for me, baby. And then the stone went, coach. And then Jesus just walked up out of that joint like this. Now, now that was beautiful. He could have walked through the wall. He could have blew, he could have huffed and puffed and blew the stone off. But he didn't. And he walked out of that tomb. And he began to reveal himself to people. And he began revealing himself. Why? Because he says, I'm not guilty. He says, but I took your guilt, your guilt, your shame, your pain, your death, and and I am going to give you life. Jesus did in six hours, six hours what it would have taken us an eternity separated from God in hell to do. And so now, Now you get to do the easiest thing, the easiest thing, by the power of God, though, is to repent and place your trust, not grandmama praying for me, you know, I know know my grandmother praying for me, you know, she got me, you know what I'm saying? 
She got me. Grandmama prayers ain't going to help you when the great white throne show up. The baptism you got without being saved doesn't help you. Coming to church doesn't help you. Going to Sunday school class doesn't help you. Help you. Uh, uh, being nice doesn't help you. You're not nice. You're not. The fact that you're calling yourself nice without Jesus is pride. You must repent of who you are, the mess that we all are, and turn towards Jesus and say, I put my faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross, and I want my debt to be canceled because my debt was placed on him. And when he died and when he was buried and raised from the grave, I want that to be me by faith. And if you trust in him by faith, that he died on the cross and was raised from the dead, you shall be saved. Every head bow, every eye closed. If you are here today, and this is your story, you need Jesus to help you to see him clearly. The gospel is the way in which that happens, through the Spirit of God.